On today's show, Damian Lillard traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. His 11-year run in Portland comes to an end. How does that affect the Clippers? And does the rerouting of certain players in that trade make it so that the Clippers are going to be making a move sooner rather than later? Going to be talking about that on a jam-packed Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers. Your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vizieri, born and raised in L.A. and going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod for even more L.A. sports, NBA, and NBA history content. And Locked On Clippers, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And one of those places can be YouTube where I want you to comment who you'd rather have. Drew Holiday or James Harden? Because I'm going to be talking about that in the second segment. But first, I got to tell you about the Damian Lillard trade. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. Damian Lillard's Portland Trailblazer career is officially over. And all of us here were waiting to see if it was going to be Dame to Miami, and it was not Dame to Miami. There was a lot of negotiations behind the scenes, a lot of disagreements between Dame's camp and the Blazers' front office, and eventually, Milwaukee is the place that they send him. Now, how does that affect the Clippers? Well, the Portland Trailblazers weren't going to be a threat at all this upcoming season, so... In that sense, not really. I think now we know that the Trailblazers, yes, they got DeAndre Ayton, they're probably going to be the worst team in the West. And you know, that sounds a little bit harsh because you think they got Anthony Simons, they got Shadon Sharp, they got Scoot Henderson, now they got Aiton. It's not that bad, right? Well, someone's going to have to be the worst team in the West. And I have... And the West is very good this season. We're getting back to the wild, wild West after two years or so that weren't that strong relatively to the 2000s and the 2010s. And, you know, as... Every single Lob City year, for the most part, the West was a bloodbath. 2016, if anything, was the week. Actually, no, I'm not even going to say that. Because the 2016, it just was top-heavy. But the teams at the top were like 73-9 Warriors, 67-15 and 15 Spurs. The point is the West is getting back to being elite, but it's elite in a different way. The, the win records, win-loss records may not be that strong, but 1-15, through 15, it is as deep of a conference as you can see in NBA history as far as the time I've been watching basketball in the 19 years I've been watching it I mean there are not that many bad teams but of course it feels like I always say this before the season and then when you actually watch some of those teams play and you're like oh this team plays no defense or something like that then you see who's an actually uh, who actually is a good team or not everybody looks good before the season when everyone's healthy and the depth charts depth charts are being made and all that But the Portland Trailblazers, they're probably going to be the worst team in the West. So it doesn't really change much for the Clippers in that sense. As far as the Milwaukee Bucks, oh, it it probably makes them better. I mean, they lose a lot of defense in Drew Holiday, perimeter defense, point of attack defense. But they really struggled at times to score in the half court. Giannis, as great as he is, still has some struggles in the half court. Having Damian Lillard now gives you two bona fide 30-point-a-game scorers and a true second star 
And when I say star, I mean a guy that we had superstar conversations about a couple of years back and who just came off the best statistical season of his career in Damian Lillard. You pair that up with Giannis, you got a real championship contender yet again in Milwaukee. But the Clippers play in the West, so we're only going to see Milwaukee twice over the course of the season. The only time we can see Milwaukee where it actually matters is the NBA Finals. And right now we are so far away from that. That is foreign territory for me as a Clipper fan. And for all of us Clipper fans. So, I mean, of course it'd be amazing to play the Bucks in the finals. But there's absolutely no reason for me to discuss that further on a show like this where we're not even preseason ready. So, as far as how it affects the Clippers in that way, it doesn't affect them that much. If it's an Eastern Conference team, their locked-on host is probably going to have more to say about the actual direct impact of Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee. For the Clippers, not that big a deal. We get Dame out of the West. As far as the memories, I mean, we played Damian Lillard in the playoffs in 2016. We were we had them on the ropes. Then Chris Paul and Blake Griffin get injured in the same game. That was game number four, and we ended up losing the series. That was the one that Austin Rivers fought super hard for us. Bloody eye and everything. Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers and DeAndre Jordan almost got us a W there in Portland. But that series was ours. Sadly, it didn't end up being ours because of the injuries to Chris and Blake. And we never really saw Damian Lillard again. We had that incident in the 2020 bubble where there was Paul George talking about talking to Dame. And Dame said, chumps, you don't run from the grind. I don't think Damian Lillard necessarily ran from the grind. But it got to the point where Portland didn't want him. And he realized, look, if Portland doesn't want me, i got to get a move on. Give myself a better chance to win a ring. And that's exactly what he did. As far as what happened to the other sides of the trade, I already mentioned Aiton going to Portland, Drew Holiday going to Portland as well. And he is not expected to stay there because the Blazers are rebuilding and Drew Holiday said he only wants to play a couple more years. He might retire when his contract ends. And right now his contract is for next season. He's owed... $35 $35 million, which is a lot, although if he deserves it in my opinion. That's the contract that he got after he won the title. And then he has a player option for $37,365,333 in the 2024-25 season, which if I were him, I would absolutely opt into because he is not going to get a better deal than that. Especially for a single year, he's not going to be getting paid that much ever again. So if I were Drew Holiday, I would take those and then evaluate if I want to retire or not. The guy's been playing high-level basketball for so long. He's accomplished everything you need to in the game for what he wanted to do. He's a champion. He's a two-time All-Star. He might not have more than two years left. But that being said, in today's market, that's not too ridiculous of a contract. For what Drew Holiday does on a basketball court, I think $35 million is about right. He just made the all-star team for the second time in his career. So Drew Holiday saying he wants to only maybe have two, two, three years left of his career. He wants to compete for a title. And the Portland Trailblazers are not a place where you're going to compete for a title right now. But you know where you could compete for a title? Right here in Los Angeles with the Clippers. And coming up, I'm going to be talking about the big conversation that's been dominating all Clippers circles in the last 24 hours. James Harden or Drew Holiday? Who do you want? Where does each guy fit with the team? Which makes more sense? I'm going to be giving my take coming up. 
I got to tell you a little something about DoorDash. Sometimes you're in a situation where you don't want to get out of the house, whether you're sick or you're doing work or somebody's over and you just don't want to leave them by themselves because you're supposed to accompany them and you just want to order food. And there's no better place to do that than DoorDash. DoorDash gives you the convenience of getting what you want right to your door. And with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last minute cravings conveniently. I've trusted DoorDash to deliver my restaurant favorites right to my door. And now you can also get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, since I did not do a Monday or Tuesday episode, I will be doing a Saturday episode, and I'm going to be talking about the recent comments made by Lawrence Frank at at a media event. He had some very revealing things to say, and I definitely want to break some of those quotes down. So we're going to be doing that on Saturday, but let's get into the one that everyone's been waiting for, Drew Holiday or James Harden. Now, I've already done countless episodes on how I feel about James Harden's fit with the Clippers. I obviously don't think it's a great fit. I think that offensively, you're bringing in another ball-dominant guy. That That is what he is. There is no arguing that point. He is a ball-dominant guy. Because he is great with the ball in his hands and he's one of the best pick and roll players of all time. I'm not going to sit here and lie and have my feelings cloud what the facts are. That he is one of the best pick and roll ball handlers of all time. My thing is this. This is a conviction I have. Four stars. When was the last time you saw that work besides the Warriors? And when I say work, I mean win the championship. This roster was put together to win the championship. The reason why we get frustrated is because we truly believe, at least I believe, maybe some people disagree with me, that this is a championship caliber roster when healthy. The when healthy part is what we have not had. I don't think we are so devoid of talent. But a large reason why people want James Harden is because they're already knowing that Kawhi and Paul George are going to miss 20 plus games and they want James Harden, another star, to be able to be there in the games that Kawhi and Paul are not participating in to give us that offensive creation that we're going to be missing with our stars. Now, I understand that point of view. If the season ended after the 82nd game, I would say, let's go get James Harden. He's an amazing regular season player. He'll give us that insurance for when Kawhi and Paul are out. No problem. But there's something called the playoffs that I already have my doubts about Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I don't think that bringing James Harden, who's notorious at this point, for playing poorly when it matters most, and that is true. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say he's bad in the playoffs. That's a blanket statement that's not true. James Harden was good in this playoffs at certain points. Game one, he basically single-handedly won that game for Philly against Boston. Game four, he made a game winner. He had two game winners in the same series. But then in game six and seven, that elimination game, when it's time to get over the hump, he not only didn't play well, 
He was terrible. Because the thing about James Harden is when his offensive game is not going, there is nothing else he does. He does not make hustle plays where he dives on the floor for a loose ball. He does not have huge defensive plays. He has good hands. He'll get a couple of steals, but that is not indicative of great effort. He doesn't do the little things that help you win games in terms of an effort standpoint, intangibles. People don't like that point because, one, they've never competed on any floor of any sort, so they like that only talking about plays and things that can be valued in statistics. They don't care about intangibles. They've never coached anything. I would actually like to see how many of you people that want James Harden what would you do if you coached a team of kids? Like, I want to see what your philosophy would be, how you would coach them, what kind of stuff you'd get mad at them for, what kind of stuff that you'd be happy for them for. Because, yeah, I'm not some guru, but I do coach kids. And something I always emphasize is you better give me your 100%. James Harden, I've seen him in playoff games jog back on defense after he turns the ball over. Where I was taught, you don't jog, run back when you turn the ball over. You better sit on the bench. But because he's an NBA star, he gets leeway. After a certain amount of years where you see the guy quit over and over again, and I use the Q word because I see a lack of effort. You cannot in an elimination game give a lack of effort. I don't want someone like that on my team. That's, you can say that's personal. We all have our basketball convictions. The front office has a certain way they view the game, and that is why they were so hesitant on Westbrook. They had to get forced into that. And you know what? The people that wanted Westbrook were right. The players were right. And Lawrence Frank and myself and a lot of people were wrong. And I could be wrong again with Harden. But I think that when you have four stars together on a team, I think that's a lot. You're asking a guy who's always been a top two option to be a third option. The only place he was was with Brooklyn, and I think it worked out fine. Now, if you listen frequently to the show, you know I have no problem with James Harden being that third guy. My issue is we already have Westbrook. We have already sold him on being our floor general and bringing that joy back into his basketball life by letting him be that guy. This taking turns and Harden's going to handle the ball one position and then Westbrook here. There's only one ball. I'm not saying they're going to butt heads. If anything, I think they're going to be so unselfish to the point where we're like watching a game. We're not creating separation because we're not really getting stops on the other end either. And everyone's getting... Less shots than they're normally accustomed to. Less touches than they're normally accustomed to. Westbrook might get out of rhythm. Then all the fans are going to be like, why is he playing so bad? That's called rhythm. That's a thing. And then Paul George gets 9 or 10 shots a game. And then we're like, why is he being aggressive? Well, because he's going to have to accommodate Harden's pick and rolls. Westbrook's pick and rolls. Westbrook more off the ball is not what we need. Yes, he showed the propensity to buy in and be a screener and crash the offensive glass when teams are sagging off on him and attack the open space and pass up a three sometimes. But for the most part, we like Westbrook on the ball because he's our best playmaker by a landslide, especially when it comes to passing. I guess you can say overall playmaking, Kawhi Leonard is right there because he's such a better scorer. But when it comes to passing, playmaking in the traditional sense, setting the table, Westbrook is awesome. And I think Westbrook's also a lot more unselfish than Harden in the sense that he, when he was with the Clippers at least, he doesn't just try to make the assist pass. He'll move the ball. He'll give it to PG and Kawhi to initiate and then move. Harden, when he comes up the court, he wants to get into a pick and roll because he wants to get an assist. That's something that he does. Although sometimes he'll throw it to Embiid, of course. He did that. The thing is, now he has two mouths to feed when it comes to scoring. Not just one with Embiid. And will Harden stay in rhythm? That's the main thing. And then defensively, he offers nothing except for good post defense in a league that's not even a post-up league. So what he does bring, though, is an elite 
shot creator, better than what we have, best pick and roll player on the team, a guy that is a more reliable catch and shoot threat, even though he does not look comfortable shooting catch and shoot threes. He passes up a bunch of open ones because he likes, he seems to prefer off the dribble. And he's not the only star like that. Chris Paul's the same way, but there are certain stars that are not as comfortable taking that shot that are so, because they're so comfortable shooting threes off the bounce, James Harden being one of those guys. That being said, he did shoot 41% on catch and shoot threes last year. So when he does shoot them, it is pretty good. It is better than Westbrook. And he also is just a better, you know, off the dribble creator than Westbrook. So you have that angle. It's really just stacking up on the talent. Anyone that wants Harden just wants to stack up on the talent. They don't really care about fit. I think the one thing you can say is the Clippers are will stagger, you know, one of Kawhi and Paul and then one of Russ or Harden as the half goes on. And I think that works really well. I think you're kind of pushing Bones Highland's development out of it, though, because he's not going to be really handling the ball much. You're going to have him more as an off-ball player. And, you know, some people might like that better because he is a good shooter. But I do want him to develop as an on-ball pick-and-roll creator off the bench. I do. That seems like it's going to be hindered massively if we bring in the big the big four. And by the way, we would be a super team. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. We're a super team, and if we don't win the championship, it's an embarrassment. Because having those four guys on the same team, I don't care what kind of fit it is or isn't. You have that kind of talent, you should win the championship. But you know what? As I'm saying, it's not that simple. We're throwing the talent out there and, and thinking it's going to work like that. I always think that three stars is the max. You get a fourth guy that's a role player kind of dude. And some might be arguing, it is three stars. Westbrook is not a star anymore, but he's a star on a given night. He really, and he still believes he's a star. That's what's more important. He believes he's a star. And that's okay as the third option that we had him as. But as a fourth option, then maybe he starts doing too much. Maybe he starts feeling he's not getting the touches that he wants. Then we start getting into the problematic stage. Now, with Drew Holiday, you might be wondering, he's also a point guard. He would also be a guy that takes the ball out of Westbrook's hands. You're absolutely right. I don't think that Drew Holiday offensively is a seamless fit by any stretch. He's also a point guard. He's not a shooting guard by any means. Sure, he can play off the ball a little bit, but I don't see him as a a big off-ball mover. Just like Harden's a statue off the ball. He's not going to move at all. Drew Holiday... He doesn't come off screens and all that either like that. The Bucks' offense is very stagnant. It was very ISO heavy. So I think the offensive fit is a little clunky there too. The thing I'll say about Drew Holiday is he does not have the reputation and have the history of literally being the floor general commander extraordinaire of his teams like Harden. You were asking Holiday to take a smaller step back than what you're going to be asking Harden to do. Because, yeah, Harden's still going to get the ball the most. That's the thing. He'll probably spend, if he comes to the Clippers, the most actual time with the ball in his hands, I would assume, of any Clipper player, which is not what I want. Drew Holiday, I think he'd come and he wouldn't be that guy. I think Westbrook would still be the priority to have the ball in his hands more. Drew Holiday last season averaged 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. So 7 assists was still pretty good. He still can play make. He still can handle the ball and pick and roll. But I think we just have a little bit of that and a lot of Drew Holiday playing as a shooting guard, as a spot-up guy. And then we'd stagger and have him control the offense when Russ is out, which would be fine. And I think he'd buy in more to when all four of them are on the court it being more seamless. I think he'll get less frustrated. I think he'll be more willing to buy into things because James Harden, I'm not saying he's a bad teammate or anything like that, but to act like he's been 
you know, this no problem wherever he's gone is a lie. He has clearly caused some issues. Some guys have not enjoyed playing with him. I know that Dwight Howard didn't fully enjoy it. Chris Paul didn't fully enjoy it. At the end, the Kevin Durant thing didn't seem to go very well. So James Harden, you know, not everyone. He's forced his way out of three separate places. Drew Holiday is a model teammate that they all are seem to be devastated to lose. Every team in the NBA that has a contending shot seems to be inquiring about him. And when you ask and you listen to these player podcasts and they ask who's the most underrated player in the league, 90% of them, it seems like, have said Drew Holiday. And so offensively, yeah, it adds us some more firepower, but it's not seamless. However, Drew Holiday shot 45% on catch-and-shoot threes last season. The thing is, you just got to tell Drew Holiday, look, bro, you're the fourth option on this team in terms of ball in your hands. You're probably going to only average 13, 14 points a night, and you need to be okay with that. The thing about Drew Holiday is he just wants to win, and even though sometimes he can step outside of his box and shoot some reckless shots, and you see that in the playoffs, that's the thing. It's not like Drew Holiday's flawless in the playoffs either, but he did win a championship, and I'll tell you why. But last season, for example, this past one, he shot 40% in the playoffs and 29% from three in those five games against uh, Miami. He only played in five games. In the regular season, by the way, he played 67 games. James Harden only 58. So James Harden didn't even play 60-plus games. He only played two more games than Paul George. So that's a concern. He hasn't been any healthier recently. Drew Holiday played 67 games. We would love that. But... As I was saying with the stats, yeah, those shooting splits aren't very good. I think part of it is because, you know, Giannis was out, so he had to do a little more. In the Bucks, they didn't have that many offensive creators outside of him, Middleton, and, and Giannis. I think sometimes, though, Drew Holiday takes some really bad shots. I really do. But I think with Kawhi Paul George, that will be reduced. The main reason why I think Drew Holiday coming to the Clippers is way better than Harden is because what have I said is one of the main things the Clippers lack. A guy that can lock down at the point of attack. Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in his generation. One of the best guard defenders of his generation. He would now be guarding the best player on every single team if they're a winger or a guard. And yeah, he got torched by Jimmy Butler last playoffs. Jimmy Butler was on a historic tear. Okay? And look, if we need to go bigger, we have options that the Bucks didn't. We have Kawhi and Paul George if push comes to shove, and Nico Batum even. Drew Holiday now will guard the best guards in the other team. A lot of those wings. Is Jimmy Butler going to do that every night he plays Drew Holiday? I don't think so. And it's not like we play Jimmy Butler a lot. We play him twice a year. Drew Holiday immediately takes our defense to another level. Imagine trying to get Drew Holiday switched off of you. Uh Uh-oh, now I get super athletic Russell Westbrook on me. Uh Uh-oh, now I have the claw on me. Or Paul George. It's hell for the opposing team. So, if if, yes, I don't necessarily think Drew Holiday is a seamless fit. I think that the seamless fit would be a guy that's a bigger forward that fulfills that power forward need. But man, oh man, who would I rather have? When I talked about the intangibles and effort plays, Drew Holiday is the type of guy that does the little things that help you win basketball games that don't show up anywhere in the stat sheet. He's a gold medal winner for a reason, and he's a champion for a reason. And for those that don't remember, that steal against Devin Booker and that lob is one of the great plays in Bucks history, in NBA Finals history. That changed the course of that series. And he's also a UCLA guy, Campbell Hall guy. I'm a huge Drew Holiday fan because he's the type of guy I'd want on my team any day of the week for the simple fact that he guards 
And our defense was 18th last year. And I want better. But coming up, going to be talking about if we should maybe wait and not go for either of those guards for something a little bit better. Going to be talking about that coming up. All right. So when I say wait for something better, I would want, obviously, Drew Holiday. Now, before I get into the, what wait for something better means, let me talk about what the price would be. So they're saying that the price for Drew Holiday is going to be two first-round picks just to start the conversation. Now, these are the first-round picks the Clippers have for the rest of the decade. We don't have our first-rounder this year, but we have two second-rounders. We have no picks in 2025 or 2026 as of now. We have our 2027 first-rounder and our 2028 first-rounder and our 2029 first-rounder, and we'll stop there. So we have the first-round pick for the last three years of the decade. Considering we don't have a first-rounder the next three years, giving up more than one of those would be extremely problematic in my opinion. This is like the last dance for this 2-1-3 era. If this doesn't work, we cannot have the first five years in the Intuit Dome be flops or multiple years be flops. We have to have some kind of a future. To throw away our first-round picks for a 33-year-old Drew Holiday or a 33-year-old James Harden or whatever how old he is, it's not the move, in my opinion. It really isn't. Now, salary-wise, Drew Holiday is making $36 million. James Harden is making around the same ballpark. James Harden's 33, by the way. Now, no, he's 34. He just turned 34. So giving up two first-rounders for that, especially when we don't have first-rounders, I'm not for that at all. Now, if we match the sal- salary-wise, Norman Powell and Marcus Morris is all it takes to match Drew Holiday or Harden. Which, I mean, I'd be down for that for, for Drew Holiday. If I thought the James Harden thing was a better fit, I'd say yes. But when it's bad, it's really bad with him. At least Westbrook, he went 3 for 17 and still made winning plays in game one. When was the, when was the last time you saw that from James Harden? If, if he'll go 3 for 17, the way James Harden is still helping you is with his creation and his passing. He still can help in a 3 for 17 night. But if his offense overall is bad, and it has a much higher chance of being bad on a given night now because he does not have the same burst he used to. That's not me being biased. That's literally a fact. He doesn't clear defenders the same way. He does not have the same first step, and he does not get off the ground the same way. If you watched game one against the Nets this past season in the playoffs, he got blocked like five times in the first half because he can't get off the ground the same way. And that's normal. He's had major injuries. He had a hamstring issue. He gained weight. And I don't care how many slim Harden photos I see. He's not the same as he once was. But then again, if we didn't have Russ, I think he would be a perfect third guy. But we do have Russ, and I'm all in for Russ. And he's not going to go to the bench. So anyone suggesting that, is, that's, they don't understand what Russ wants. So a lot of people, again, that want James Harden just don't believe in Westbrook. And I understand that, but I do, so that's where we're going to disagree. Now, is as far as the should we do it, Two first-round picks, Marcus Morris and Norman Powell to Portland. It would be messed up sending Norm back to Portland. But that may be too much. That may be too much. I think we should maybe hold out. Now, here's what everyone else is talking about. Drew Holiday going to Philly, taking Harden's spot. He would make them really good, I think. And then it's like Maxi with Holiday would be even better, in my opinion, because you have Holiday to guard. Then Harden gets rerouted to us. 
there's a very likely chance that happens. That's not what I want, but it's very likely, and I have to brace myself for it. And it's just, it's a perfect mix, right? Westbrook, Paul George, Harden, three guys with reputations of choking in the playoffs on the Clippers so they can have one colossal choke and everybody can laugh at us again. I'm not looking forward to that. But here's when I say wait for better. I saw a report from Michael Scotto. Don't know how reliable he is, but hoops hype, fairly reliable. Saying that, and it makes sense. Now that Portland is in rebuild mode, Jeremy Grant is expected to be up for trade around January or midseason. That is the one guy that I think would be the perfect fourth guy or really third scorer for this Clipper team. A big forward that can go out and guard the other team's best player. He can create his own shot, but doesn't need to create his own shot and doesn't have to. And he's going to have to know he's not going to have to. He has two three better players than him, three better shot creators than him, although if it comes to creating for himself, he's better than Russ right now, I think, because he can shoot contested jumpers, and he can spot up. He's got great athleticism, super great size. Having Jeremy Grant, Paul George, Westbrook, and Kawhi on the same court with Zoo is like, oh my God, man. Like The passing angles are going to be minimal. The space is going to be minimal. The amount of ground you can cover with that is ludicrous. I would absolutely love Jeremy Grant. At what price? I don't know. He's not actually been up for trade yet. He signed a pretty big deal. He's not on the best contract. Let me take a look at it real quick. But I would absolutely love Jeremy Grant. So let me know as well in the comments. If you're willing to wait and see how the season goes, half the season, if we can make a play at Jeremy Grant and get the need that we really want, a younger, more athletic power forward. Remember, Jeremy Grant is the nephew of Horace Grant. Jeremy Grant... Last season played in 63 games. He averaged 20 and a half points a game, got four and a half rebounds, shot 47 and a half percent from the field and 40% from three. So a 40% three point shooter shoots well from the field, 81% from the line and he defends. I mean, I would absolutely love nothing more than to bring him alongside. The only thing is, can we wait that long? I personally think we can because I've already said, I believe in this team if healthy that we can make some noise. I really do. But it comes down to Ty Lue playing Terrence Mann more, not playing Marcus Morris. If he does those two things, we come a long way right then and there. I really do believe so. But starting lineup is a concern for me. Terrence Mann should be starting. Because if Morris starts, man, I honestly may want Harden just to get Morris off the team. Like at that point. But I just don't believe in the super team stuff. I don't. Unless it's a perfect fit. Four stars. And it is four stars because no matter what you say, Westbrook still believes he is. But Jeremy Grant, he's owed $27.5 million this year. The following year, $29 million. He's got four more years guaranteed on his deal. He's got four years guaranteed till 2027. So it is a big contract. But you know what? Having a guy like Jeremy Grant, even if the 213 era ends, he still will ensure a decent 20 points in solid defense for a while. And that'll keep us afloat to still be able to do some things, to have a competitive team if, if Bomber's worried about the Intuit Dome being, you know, some really bad years rebuilding. But Drew Holiday, James Harden. This is not going to be the last you hear of it. We're going to keep talking about it until something happens. And they're saying it might happen by Monday. Fingers crossed, man. If we get Drew Holiday, oh my God, I'm going to be like the happiest Clipper fan on the planet. Because even though I don't expect it to be a seamless fit at all. I think it makes things a little complicated for Russ. And I really hope Paul George and Kawhi still get the shot attempts that I want them to get. 
our defense is going to get so much better. Like, it'll be so big for the defense. You're not going to have to have Kawhi and Paul really guarding anyone major until it's absolutely desperate or they get the switch. And teams don't look to put Kawhi and Paul George in the pick and roll because they don't want them switching on to them, especially Kawhi. Oh, I would be so happy. And he's a champion, proven champion. You bring another champion alongside Norm and Kawhi, there's never anything wrong with bringing in more championship DNA. Let me know if you would love it. I think considering you, the comment section, and my Locked On listeners, I think you guys are going to be like, are you kidding me, Drew or James Harden? I want Drew Holiday all day. I think that's what's going to happen, but who knows? I think there's obviously going to be some Harden guys in the comments. And again, I want to hear your your reasoning. I haven't heard any reasoning that moves me about Harden. Everything is, oh, you know, we need to be prepared for Kawhi and Paul George to miss so many games. Look, if that's what you're saying, this team was flawed from the start. But Drew Holiday will help that problem. And he'll be more valuable in the playoffs because the defense and defense wins chips. And I think we've got the offense that's adequate enough. When I say defense wins chips, that doesn't mean you have, can have no offense and win. You have to have some offense. But we've seen a lot more mediocre offensive teams. Like, for example, I know it was a long time ago. The Detroit Pistons in 04, they were in part, you can maybe argue that's why they only won one. But they were not some great offensive team, but they were insane defensively and they won. You will not see teams that are okay defensively win. They have to be good at minimum. You might say Denver from last year. If you watched them in the playoffs, they were not okay defensively. They were very good because Aaron Gordon and KCP are two guys that would be the number one point of attack defenders if you threw them on this team right now. If you put KCP on the Clippers right now, he would be guarding the best players every night. Just like Aaron Gordon. They have two of those guys and they had Bruce Brown and Christian Brown. You're not going to find a bad defensive team win a chip. It's never happened ever. Even the Boston Celtics dynasty in the 60s, the original one, amazing defense, average offense, and they won every year because they had Russell, and they had timely scoring. It's all you need. We have Kawhi and Paul George. I have no problem with our offense. But defensively, we were 18th last year, and we're supposed to be this all-world defensive team with Kawhi and Paul George. People don't realize it's because they're not guarding the point of attack. We need someone that can do that. And if we bring in Drew Holiday... Oh my God, and that's going to be really Clamp City. But anyway, you let me know what you think in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Clippers and hit the notification bell. No matter what you know, we're going to be one of the most eventful teams this year. It is never a dull moment in Clipper basketball. And with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook, it damn sure won't be. We'll see who's added to the family in the coming days, if anyone is. But media days on the horizon, so it's starting to pick up. We're starting to get back in our bag, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you comment anything, especially what you think about Harden or Holiday. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more LA Clipper, LA Sports, and NBA content. And Locked On network you got to listen to the other pods as well i always encourage people to listen to the other pods locked on bucks go check them out right now i mean it's huge news over in milwaukee locked on blazers of course locked on nba and of course the local locked on channels we just launched a locked on los angeles check them all out but the age-old proverb continues go clippers